You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, you have made your way to First Christian, and we are so glad that you are here. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, we want you to know that we're a group of people that follow Jesus, and we do so through the reading of God's Word. So if you are able to, whether you're at home or here in the building today, stand for a reading of God's Word from Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give, you thank, give thanks for you as I remember you in all my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him a head over all things for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can find your seats. Not long ago, I I received a letter. Formal letter, official letterhead, coming from a place that I didn't know, but made out to me. It had, had my name spelled right. It was definitely to me. I opened it up in this typewritten letter, was addressed to me. They even had my name spelled right. How about that? And this letter meant a lot to me. Have you ever heard from someone that you don't know? Someone that you never met? Someone that you have no idea who they are? Perhaps maybe you have heard about someone and you get interested in them, curious about them. So you start looking them up, maybe following them on social media, trying to figure out who they are. Well, as I read this letter, this was from a church where they had chosen to pray for me for that particular week, and they identified the week. And they do this for Christian church pastors all across the country. And that meant so much to me. I mean, can you imagine getting a letter from someone that you did not know that was willing to put you on their to-do list? I think it probably meant much to me because I was feeling exhausted. Now, I don't want to belabor this too much, but the last year or so, I've felt pretty tired, pretty run down. And maybe that comes from having lost my grandfather and my best friend from elementary and middle school in the same year. And then the next year, just a year ago, my dad died. And then a few weeks ago, at the end of 2021, my grandmother died. So so maybe it's some of that tiredness and exhaustion, if I can be totally real and honest with you. Because, I know I can, because you're there too, right? There's likely things right now in your life 
that are wearing you out. Can you think of them? Things that are running you down, exhausting you, zapping you of your strength, pulling it right out of you. Maybe it's a diagnosis where as you look at this diagnosis, you don't know where the money is going to come from. You don't know where the emotional reserves are going to come from. Maybe there's uncertainty and fear with this diagnosis. Maybe it's a dead-end job where you're dealing with the same old boss or that same old co-workers going down this path over and over again and wondering, yeah, is there any relief from this? Is there something that can give me energy and life that's beyond this job? Something that I could draw upon? Maybe it's a relationship. A relationship that's grown stale or a relationship that just isn't there. You feel alone. Or maybe it's a relationship with someone that you love dearly like your kids, but you can't quite connect in the way that you want to. Well, with all of these things, I believe that God provides some answers. And I'm really excited about this lesson today. I'm excited with where we're going because I think God provides some answers as we look at this God project for what will make a difference in our own life. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling exhausted and run down. Because this God project that he's invited us into is one that provides for us what we need. And I'll say this on the front end and just make us think about it. If we're feeling tired or run down, it's possible that we're not inside of this God project, that we're not living the life that God intends for us. More on that in a minute. So our friend Paul, I just read another letter to you from the letter that he wrote to the Ephesians, those who lived in Ephesus. And as he starts to pray for them, he says, I've heard about your faith and I've heard about your love. I've heard about those good things that you're doing to confess Christ and I hear how those things are being manifest in the way that you love other people. Now, Paul had done more than just heard about this group of people. He probably knew some names, but it had been a long time since he'd been there. A long time since he'd spent the years that he did in Ephesus, and I'm sure that that church and that community of believers had drastically changed. And so he hears about them, and he puts them on his to-do list. And he begins praying for them ceaselessly. Now, I don't know what you pray for ceaselessly, but Paul lays out what he's desiring for them. And even though he's heard about their faith and their love, and that's good, sometimes with Christians, that's where our life stops. And Paul moves into ceaseless prayer for something else. He prays for them to, look at your, your Bible in verse 17, for them to come to know God. He wants them to develop in wisdom and develop an ability to be able to see what God is doing in the world by actually knowing who God is. Let me show you this verse again. I pray in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. What God is being prayed, for, prayed to for by Paul is that people would know God. That's on Paul's prayer request for any of us, 
that they would come to know God. Now, do I mean know in the sense of he's going to mail them the encyclopedia of God? No. Is he going to send them maybe a smaller package, the dictionary of God, so that they can get some good information about God? No. This is know, K-N-O-W, in the biblical sense, to know intimately, to know as a lover knows a lover. He wants them to get into this ceaseless process of coming to know God even more deeply than they did before, that that would intensify. In fact, I read to you from the New Revised Standard Version. And if you look in other versions like the New International Version, it says that the purpose of all this is so that you would know God. Or the King James Version, that you would have been given a spirit of wisdom of revelation in knowledge of God. This project that God's involving us in is bringing everything together in Christ. And that means coming to know you as a friend. That means us developing a partnership with God that transcends a lot of what we tend to do. I think a lot of Christians are pretty good at confessing Christ, identifying who Christ is, and maybe even doing some, some good things, right? Being involved in projects. But Paul says, that's good. That's well and wonderful for you to have those things. But what I want for you is to come into relationship with God. To take God on as your friend. And to know him intimately as a friend knows another friend. Well, maybe that means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe this image will stick in your mind. It's, it's, it's kind of a graphic image. It doesn't really fit uh, what I would want to see. Maybe we'd have to turn some of our artists loose on what this would look like. In verse 18, he gives us a picture. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know three realities. What Paul is praying for is for us to grow eyeballs on our heart. Not just one eyeball on our heart, but a pair of eyeballs on our heart that will be enlightened to some very important realities. And he gives us three of them. Hope and inheritance and power. And, and I want to just tell you briefly the first two, hope and inheritance, and I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about power. So, if we've got these eyeballs on our heart as a representation of us coming to know God, it's said by Paul that he prays that their ho the hope of their calling will be seen, that they'll understand that hope of their calling. God has called us into this project. And so when we talk about hope, we're not talking about hope like we use it. Like, oh, I hope she asked me out. Oh, oh, I hope I passed the test. No, this is not hope in terms of, well, I hope I win the lottery. That is pure luck, whether or not you win the lottery. There's nothing in that. It's not, it's more like hope, not in the sense of I hope I pass the bar exam, because that's not luck. That's going to be involved in preparation and getting yourself ready, going through a lot of school. This kind of hope is something that God invites us into. God's already prepared it for us. He has called you into this project. Okay, so that's one, one way that we grow the eyeball on our heart. 
Another eyeball is this, the richness of the inheritance of the saints. You are an heir of the saints. And you might look around and say, oh, they don't know me. Uh, I don't, I'm barely here. You, you don't understand, Brady. I'm not the kind of church-going person. I don't fit with those folks. Okay, when it comes to an inheritance, who gets to decide that? It's the owner. It's the one who puts together the will. God is looking at you and saying, you are among the saints. You're there. There's nothing that you're doing to get yourself in there. It's something God has given you and blessed you with. Another way of opening up our eyes, the eyes that are on our hearts to see what God is up to, that God's pulling us into this project. As the owner, he tells us who we are. Now, the one that I really want to spend my time on, the hope of the calling, the inheritance among saints, is this power. This power is what I'm looking for. Let me look at, again at verse 19. You might even be looking there with your own eyes, where God offers the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. Okay, God is giving us, giving you power. Power that permeates and energizes your entire being. And it's available to you. And it's boundless. It is a boundless source of energy, and it's all that you need. In verses 20 and following, he describes this power in terms of Jesus Christ. And he points at Jesus and says, I've given all authority to Jesus. He is over every ruler. He's over everyone. He is the most powerful one in the universe, the Christ. That is a power that he showed in a manifest way by when Christ was killed, he raised him back up from the dead. So one thing you've got to know on the front end is that this is God's power. Whatever we're going through, the fears that we have, the uncertainties that we have, they all take a knee to Jesus. They are all beneath the power of Jesus, and he's more than able to handle the difficulties and the powers that are in our own life. But here comes the shocking part, because this verse 19 is like, ah, it's, it's like supercharged, which a, with a bunch of high-voltage verbs, high-voltage ver words, not verbs, they're actually nouns. Four different words for power. I'm not going to go into all of them, because I, I don't think it matters too much, but I, I want you to know about two of them, because this power that he wants us to get charged by is a power that comes from Christ. The power that raised Christ from the dead is power that is energizing and working in us. Now think about that for a minute. How much power does it take to raise someone from the dead? Three days dead. That power at work inside of you. The two words that I do want you to catch are dunamis, which sounds like dynamite, and energa, which sounds like energy. When it comes to dunamis, this, this power that is first expressed is potential power. It's power that's in it, but it doesn't have to be active. It's there. It's potential power. 
It's the power that one object has in relationship to another object. It's possibility. It's capacity. Energy, or working, is an active power. It is like energy. And it's qualitative and it must transfer to another body. So as Paul supercharges us with these words, we are looking at God's power being active in us, that it's potential power that maybe we're activating and maybe we're not. Back in the early 90s, uh, in the Rose Bowl Parade in one of the early 90s, I, I, I love seeing these parades uh, where you get all the flowers that are on the floats. It's, it's just marvelous. And, and in the climate of Pasadena, I'm sure it's wonderful, but in the early 90s, there was a float that was coming down the pike and it just stopped. And it began backing up all of the other floats. The mechanics were out there and they ran under the, the, the float. They got into the engine. They're trying to figure out what is wrong with this float, why it's not going. More mechanics go out there until they finally figure out what the problem is with this float. Didn't have any gas. They ran out of gas. And to add insult to injury, you know who the sponsor of the float was? I'm not going to say which one, but a petroleum oil company. <laughs> it's possible for us to have power, to have access to power, but not tap into it. To not be making use of it in our own lives. For that power to be effective, it has to move beyond ourselves and begin to work and be executed and exert. You know, I've, I've kind of said this a couple times, but I want to say it again and say it here because maybe it will mean a little bit more now. This turn that I want to make is that a lot of Christians are quite aware of who Jesus is. We're, we're able to confess an understanding of who Jesus is. A lot of those same Christians are able to do a lot of good things. But, they have not accessed the power that is inside of Christ. And here's the difference. A lot of us tend to think about Christ as an object that we're oriented to. That, that Christ has all of the power and we're focused in on him. And that's good, right? Am I going to talk you out of that, of orienting your life towards Christ? No. But instead of just seeing Christ as this one that we're oriented to, what if we were begin to see Christ as the very environment of our life? That we breathe Christ, that we're surrounded in Christ, that we exist in this environment of Christ. Because I think a lot of people just have this information, this relationship with Christ that's not power actualized. It's potential power that just lays dormant. They're not ready to live their life fully in Christ. Do you find yourself there? oriented to, but, but not really living in the environment of Jesus Christ. In order to do so, we need to tap into the power that is ours in Christ Jesus. The power that God worked through him to raise him from the death is a power that we can work in our own lives. I think that if more and more Christians who claim Christ would begin to wear Christ all of the time, from the inside to the out, then people would see the power of God as second to none. 
If they could see that in our lives, there would be no debate, no discussion at all. It would be evident that there is no rival to this one true and living God who's manifested in Jesus Christ. If we could tap into that power, it would change the way we relate to our boss or to our spouse or to our work in school because we would have a power source that goes much more deeply rooted. You know, you think about batteries in the drawer. We've started putting dates on those batteries. When batteries sit in the drawer and they're unused, they slowly drain and dissipate their power. Even rechargeable batteries, they dissipate and they dwindle away. It has to be active, it has to be moving. Like a power plant. A power plant isn't just like a grain bin of power, it's moving, it's circulating, constantly circulating in order to get out and out to the clients and where it needs to be. In this God project, where God is gathering up everything up in Christ, He wants you to be a part of it. To have this hope to know that He has called you, to understand the richness of the inheritance that is yours, and to access and use the power that is available to you. And again, you might find yourself maybe feeling like Cinderella. You look around and you don't know if you're really being called, if you really are the saint. And you're waiting for the clock to chime and for people to see who you really are. Some believers can feel that way. A non-believer could feel that way too, to think, God doesn't really need me. He doesn't think that this is about me. And so we sit in the dark and we don't access that power and it sits unused. And we're not willing to take the step of confessing Christ. We're not willing to take the step of being baptized into his name. We're not willing to live our days in this environment of Jesus Christ. In fact, many of us are believers, but we're tired and we're stressed, we're exhausted, we're hassled and harangued, and we're living our lives without this power. You have access to this power. I'll pretty often forget to charge my phone, and so I'll get it all queued up and I'll plug it in and I'll wait and I'll, I'll look and the phone, it's not charging at all. Have you done this before? And you look and you're like, well, I've had this plugged in for an hour. It's not charged a bit. And then I look at the other end of the power cord. And it's not plugged into the cube. Or I've got it plugged into a strip and the power strip is off. I thought that wireless charging was going to save me, right? You hear everything advertised, oh, wireless charging. You know, maybe it's just radiating in the air and it's just going to charge up my phone on the table. I think if it was that way, it would just electrocute us all. Because even with wireless charging, what has to happen? You have to lay that phone in the cradle in the right way to make that connection and make that circuit to where it actually can receive the energy. Your body right now is perfectly equipped. No upgrades are needed to access the power that God wants to give you. The same power that he raised Jesus Christ with, he wants to put inside of you to raise you up and connect you to what God is doing in this project and in this world. 
And there are lots of things that you can do. In fact, even today, you're going to hear about some opportunities at first about ways that you can serve, ways that you can get connected to what God is doing. Something that encourages you to serve in the ministries of our church. Hopefully, that will lead to us sharing our faith with one another, where we're so energized by what God is doing in us that we're willing to share that with others. That our money is not our own, we're giving that away, we're offering our time to others. I think what gets me so excited about this is to see it in my own life, to even think about that letter that was sent to me, about people that understand the power of prayer and they're willing to pray for someone they don't know, willing to invest in a church in a town that they may never have been to, and to commit themselves like Paul did to ceaselessly praying, not just that people confess Christ or do good things for Christ, but that people get connected to God, to coming to know who God is, to developing these eyeballs on our heart. Is that a thing? Can we say that? Eyeballs on our heart to begin to see this world in a different way so that we're not just filling our stomachs or filling our brains or whatever our hands can grab onto, but our very hearts are reaching out to the God who works through us and in us. And I want to close with this little story. That I don't know if this one is true or not. I'll, I'll put that up. I've checked it out, but it, it looks like it's true. From Mount Vernon, Texas. I heard this years ago. Little town in Texas, few hundred people. And a bar was going to be put into this into this town. And the Baptist church was not all that excited about it. And so they began praying about this tavern that was going to come in. And what happened is that lightning struck this tavern on the week that it was supposed to open and it burned to the ground. Well, the tavern owner was incensed. And so he filed a lawsuit against the church filled out a lawsuit against the church, took it to the judge because they had prayed against his tavern and it burned to the ground. And so the judge hears this and remarks, I don't really know what to decide in this case. I mean, here I have the owner of a tavern who believes in the power of prayer and a group of Christians who do not because they're fighting this, that they had any responsibility at all. Now, it's a silly story. I don't know if it's true or not, and it almost doesn't matter because I can see that it could be true. Whereas Christians, sometimes we're so disconnected from what our life of faith is in our real lives. We've segmented it off to where we confess Christ and we do a few things here, but we have not embraced the environment of living in the power of Christ, of letting him transform us and shape us to where we can come to know God in an intimate way, a deep way, a real way. Drawing upon that power as something that calls us into a life that we can only begin to imagine. This power that is in Christ and that raised Christ up is the same power that can raise you up, that can pull you away from your tiredness and your exhaustion and give you an energy that goes beyond those things that you can control. There are so many of them that we try to control. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your power at work in this world. And Father, we confess that at times we have not plugged into that power. 
We've been more worried about what we can control and our hard effort and what we're doing in this direction or in that direction. Frustrated and anxious and worried because of what's not happening. Father, we lay that down. Then instead of the good things that we do, we choose to plug into you, into the power of your Son, that you will energize us to come to know you more and more deeply. This is not only our ceaseless prayer, but it is our lifelong prayer. And we pray it in the name of Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.